0: Uh, airplane crash into the lake. I don't know how to start this story. Um, if at first
1: you don't succeed.
0: If at first you don't succeed. So the guy um, was flying his airplane, um, and if you read the variety of stories, by the way, it's not 100% clear what kind of airplane it was, but um, the guy was flying his airplane and um, and he had an engine problem. And he successfully landed at an airport and landed. All right, And then... And then later that same day, he decided to go flying again. And one would presume that he thought he understood the engine failure and resolved it or whatever, right, and went flying again. And this time, the engine failed again, only he was unable to get back to the airport and said uh, it – it sounds like the airplane was more or less under control, but no, little or no power right. – uh, went into a, a lake – um, which has a wonderfully coincidental name. I got to find this story where to go here. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, Lake Aeroflex. Aeroflex, Lake Aeroflex. Lake right? Aeroflex. So yeah, so yeah, if that's saw not that a seaplane base, I don't know what is. But you never know, right? Yeah, you so, never know. You know it's a Aeroflex. shame
1: we don't have some device.
0: I know, Le- I know. And know. Uh, this is all being reported by uh, NJ.com, which I am assuming is new, something New Jersey. Um, yeah. And uh, um, oh, so they went the, down into the lake um, and uh, and landed. Fairly wings level, you know, a- attitude level, um, but hard is the descriptions here. Um, uh, so hard that he injured himself fairly seriously. Um, and uh, the, it was it's described as breaking his back, which I'm sure technically he may have done. But he was able to move around and, in fact, get out of the airplane um, and then swim to a boat that was on its way to him. Um, yeah, so. I, find, I find it a little uh, humorous. To read about a rowboat racing towards the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah yeah this is uh, this is not mainstream media at its best this is not mainstream media this is, but this is uh, you know nj NJcom um, you know I mean they reported the story it's yeah, uh, yeah. one would am- it, it doesn't seem blatantly bad wrong no it's or anything not like that, that. It's, I've but, seen uh, lots
1: worse we all have seen lots worse yeah yeah uh, the airplane so, uh, apparently was uh, uh, a that's the, the article I'm looking at says Satabria
0: it does um, uh, but I Another one of the follow-up stories, um, which I can no longer find, um, but there was a follow-up story about the uh, the recovery effort a few days later to get uh-huh. the airplane out of the water that described it as a Blanca. Um And, in fact, if you look at the um, – let's see now. I'm looking at the story that's, that's headlined th- th- those plane two things crash.
1: Can, those two things can both be true.
0: Oh, Belanca. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I think of a Belanca as being a different model, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the, one of the other stories um, has a has a, 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 a video, a couple of still images, and a short video of them um, lifting it out of the water, and and as its tail comes above the surface. Um, It's a fairly distinctive shaped tail, which I I wouldn't instantly call Satabria, but it's hard to say. Hmm. Um, There's also a distant shot of the airplane being literally lifted up onto the shore
1: um, where it's kind of broke up. Well, yeah, all I'm saying, ultimately, all I'm saying is this article says Satabria. Yeah, it does.
0: So, uh, so i don't know what the question here is i I, I, you know of course everybody wants to think you know the 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 headline begs the begs you to ask the question um well how stupid do you have to be to go flying um and have a second engine failure in the same day um and and it might be stupid but i'm not convinced it's necessarily it's it's, you you know,
1: know who among us you know have haven't had a problem at some point whether with the engine or some other component on the airplane Landed, checked it out, maybe fixed it, maybe couldn't find anything wrong, maybe said, "Well, it was just carb eyes," mm-hmm. and launched, and had a wonderful afternoon.
2: Yeah, well, we went through this with the uh, with a Cherokee, uh, and trying to leave Winter Haven, Florida, after sun and fun. Uh, the uh, we took off from Winter Haven. We'd been up at Wallaby Ranch and introduced Annie to hang and. DJ gave us a lift back to the airport, and we we're already loaded. We fire up, we taxi out, and I'm climbing out, and it's going to be the, a night flight ending at Tallahassee. And the engine on climb out went from full power to idle, and then back to full power in a span of about four seconds, without me touching anything. Okay, and we turned around and landed. No sh. And we, <laughs> and we, 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 sumped <coughs> Boku fuel, found no water, uh, ran it. Nothing happens. Uh, I took off without any, climbed to 5,000 feet, no, no issues on descent. And you know how, if you've ever flown into, into Winter Haven airport, the, you got a couple of lakes that uh, are on approach, depending on the runway. You talking about Winter
1: Haven, Florida? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: And as I'm on descent to return to the airport and pick up Annie and leave, it did it again. In which case we said R O N.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. In, in, or in, November, in, November fox dry whiskey. Yeah, really. <laughs> and
2: uh, the next day, the, uh, <laughs> I get that one, Jim. The, 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 I had the shop with my, one of
0: them last week, but this one. Yeah, shop, go ahead,
2: David. The shop there took a look at it, worked on it for a couple of hours. Uh, couldn't find anything wrong with it. Couldn't repeat it. Uh, about eleven o'clock, the the day after, we saddled up and motored home and it never freaking happened again
1: yeah yeah i, I had the same thing almost identical happen with a skyhawk once
0: Hmm. yeah,
2: yeah no, to, I, I did keep my uh, pattern high and tight because of anticipation that if this happens again i don't want it i don't want to wind up it you know with a float plane
1: yeah, yeah. really yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So according to Google Maps, uh Aeroflex Lake Aeroflex is in Andover Township which is uh in New Jersey uh slightly north of New York City and uh to the west. So Sussex uh, County. Yeah. Um and, and so, is there a
1: seaplane base at that lake
0: There there is now um but
1: uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh it uh and uh, and Aeroflex-Andover Airport, 1 to November, uh, ah. is right there, not on, simply on the shores of Lake Aeroflex, but lined up. with a, The lake might be considered uh, the extended center line of the runway in one particular direction. Oh, that's,
1: that's both good and bad. Yeah, so <laughs> there's, one,
0: there's not by any chance a, an aircraft hose factory on the shore of that lake, is there? Yeah, right. So, anyways, uh, that's be. where Lake Aeroflex is. is uh Interesting. Does, does Wikipedia want to tell me anything about Lake Aeroflex? Let's see now. Here. Lake Aeroflex. It's got kayaks. It's got. Uh, so you know what we do here? We'll go to uh,
1: Air. Okay, one, two, no Aeroflex Andover Airport. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. Andover, New Jersey. I'm looking for nearby airports to see it makes reference to. I don't see any reference to a seaplane base, so there's no there's uh, um, additional remarks. Avoid overflying Lake. Oh, there's a different lake. Never mind. It said Lake while on downwind. I thought, well, okay. Uh, anyways. You know, sorry the guy got hurt, but from these reports, it sounds like he did a good job, and uh, and there's no reason to believe he did anything, you know, in in ill-advised. Um, and uh, I don't know Jeb if there's an NTSB on this thing yet. When did it actually happen? What's the date on this story? Let's see. The date on the story is May seven, just a couple of days ago. So, uh, anyways, last
1: crashed a small plane into Air Lake Aeroflex last month, so it would be in April's. Yeah, The see.
0: story says it was April 23rd, just before noon on April 23rd. Okay. Um, but, yeah, racing towards the scene in a rowboat.
1: Um, <laughs> There's a, your well, episode title. Yeah, I know, but really. Would
0: somebody please,
2: please cue the Benny Hill theme? That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the part of the story that first caught my attention was a graph much down, much lower, uh, where it describes... Um, it says the pilot, whose last name was Wells. Wells, um, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. or He said, Wells escaped the cockpit and swam towards two Andover Township police officers who were on a rowboat within five minutes of receiving a 911 call, which is a sentence that doesn't really actually make any sense if you ask me. I don't quite understand <laughs> what he's trying to say here. But uh, as I thought about this story, I'm, I'm now... My 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 hypothesis is that uh, Pilot Wells uh, stayed with his airplane afloat for f- a few minutes um, and had actually called 911 from his airplane. This is my speculation. This is th- my speculation. The stories don't seem to talk about this. He called 911 from the airplane, said, help me. All right. They responded very quickly. Good for them. All right. And commandeered a rowboat. <laughs> We're we then began to hear the Benny Hill theme as they were racing out in the <laughs> rowboat. Um, and apparently pilot Wells decided that uh, he wasn't waiting any longer. Um, and so he, he left the airplane behind and swam to. And so, to, although he may technically have broken his back um, they, and they took him to a hospital, by the way, the story, another one of the stories refers to the fact that they flew him to the airport, to the hospital. All right. Which, you know, would I really get into an aircraft for a third time on this particular day? All right. I, I right. don't know whether not, you know whether would or not. Anyways, so anyways, um, all in all, I'm going to assume that Pilot Wells did a good job and congratulate him and wish him the best in his recovery from these uh, injuries. Absolutely, a- a- any landing you can swim away from. <laughs> That's, That's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the N- the NTSB says this was a Balanca seven G C B C, which is basically a Cetabria, or which oh, right. is a Cetabria.
0: Okay. Any more information there about it? I imagine it's very preliminary, right?
1: Uh, It is preliminary. Witness, uh, let's see, according to witness who who observed the entire accident sequence after making the first takeoff and experiencing a loss of engine power on initial climb, the pilot made a 180-degree turn, returned to the airport, and landed. After troubleshooting and general maintenance having been performed on the engine, the engine was run at various power settings. With no anomalies noted, the witness stated the pilot attempted to make a second takeoff. However, during initial climb, the airplane appeared to stall after experiencing a loss of engine power, followed by the left wing dropping. He, the pilot was able to recover the airplane to a wings level attitude, but subsequently impacted water in a flat belly flop type attitude. Mm-hmm. Doesn't okay. say much about the, the sub, doesn't say anything about a rowboat.
0: Okay. Ah, uh, well, the NTSB let us down. There we go.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: Welcome, folks. I, uh, we better, you know, this, I think we've really beat this one to death. I, I, uh, um, but uh, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, uh, coming to you from high atop lookout point in uh, beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire, uh, where this morning I am visiting in our virtual hangar with my two good friends. Uh, and uh, let's see now. which? us uh, <laughs> see. You've got me, Jeb. You've just got me. Uh, my uh, From somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, one of my good friends here is uh, Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. What's going
1: on? Good morning. Nothing much. Um, been basking in the glow of uh, putting another uh, issue of the magazine in the in the can. And,
0: Congratulations! Uh, yeah. Thank you,
1: thank you. And uh, licking my wounds. Uh, finished some other work before that, so um, I'm I'm enjoying not having anything to do right now. Very nice, congratulations! Yeah. Thank now, you. As
0: if I, I visited you a couple times. I, there are seldom moments when you have nothing to do, but yeah, I get that, that the work too. the work may be caught up for right. the time exactly. Being. Yeah, exactly. well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what the you were trying to get your airplane airworthy last time we talked. I, still, I still
1: am. I between work and whatnot, I just haven't had uh, time. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a final push this weekend. Mm-hmm. Cool, very cool. Yeah.
0: And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar is uh, from the uh, air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's uh, Dave Higdon. Good morning, Dave. How you doing?
2: So far, so far, <laughs> you know, up, ambulatory, taking nourishment, not in the morning bits, So we're four for so four so far.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I was uh, so a listener um, um, encouraged me to listen to a particular old episode. Um, I was listening to episode uh, fifty-three uh recently fifty three is from i believe the year two thousand and seven um and uh and the particular reason why I was supposed to listen to this was that that was the first episode we recorded after the Red sox had won the world Series that year and uh and and the listener Was amused by the fact that you two, particularly Jeb, were giving me a lot of grief about this, you know, and and I wasn't hearing it. I was happy and walking, you know, (laughs) a couple feet off the floor. All right, and and it just wasn't. And he was amused by the fact that Jack was just not not taking any of this uh, on that particular subject. So I was listening to the episode. Here's what I found interesting about the episode, about other than listening to you guys abuse me, is, um, so I'm listening. up Up your mind, man. I'm listening to this episode. (laughs) And we began with this whole thing about baseball and championship and whatnot, Um, and and we were eight full minutes into the episode, all right, where I literally said out loud as I'm listening to it, eight minutes in the episode, I said, are you guys ever going to talk about airplanes? All right. Um, because this was back in the days when we would just begin with the whole "Hi, how you doing? How's the weather?" kind of conversation. All right, and uh, and we heard from listeners repeatedly at the time um, about uh, about these long uh, 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 openings uh, that weren't aviation related, and that's why. That's why we do now what we just did, which is that we always very go out of our way to pick a subject so that the first 15, 10, 15 minutes of the podcast is us talking about airplanes. And then we can start blathering about the weather for a little while because that's one of the things we do. Um, but uh, it's interesting to listen to old episodes. I don't know how often you guys ever have an opportunity to listen to any part of the old episodes. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, we actually got into a really interesting conversation in this particular episode about flying at night. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, a, a somewhat timeless, I think, discussion about, you know, the safety concerns and things to watch out for and look out for, um, so to speak, um, when flying an airplane at night. Uh, mm-hmm. huh. And uh, so there's something back there. It's kind of interesting that it's not all blathering about the Red Sox weren't winning the World Series. Um, well, that's encouraging. There was, a, there was a nice little conversation in there. Um, so, uh, anyways, episode fifty-three. I may put a link to it in the show notes. We'll see. Um, hmm. What's going on here? There must be an aviation subject we can talk about here.
1: Let's see. Um, Rumor has it. Nothing there's a really list. new what's in the, the list. I have the, to say. Nothing really new in the yeah, news.
0: Yeah. Um, um, this is maybe even more of a shout out, but we'll talk about it here just very quickly, just to let people know. So uh the uh, preparations for this year's uh, Oshkosh Airventure are are definitely uh accelerating. Um and uh someone commented "Did the Notum but um is out. Maybe we'll leave that as a sh- as a uh, shout yeah, out.
1: The Notum is out
0: but everyone should be advised Those so a lot of us go to Oshkosh every single year and we have our little routine our things that we expect and that we like to do each year and and one of the things people like to do is arrive prior to the official opening of the show um, because you get a chance to wander around and see things as they're being set up or you know an early look or things like that and just be advised that uh, EIA has announced that they're going to lock down the site or at least parts of the site a little bit more this year than they have in the past um, in during those setup days um, Thursday Friday Saturday at least maybe even Sunday um, so if you go early expecting to be able to wander the exhibit hangers um, don't necessarily expect that check the EAA website um, you know and uh, we, we we were talking about this a little bit before we started before we pressed record but uh, um, I mean have, have I have I uh, summarized this uh, correctly do you think or
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: so uh uh yeah new this is probably the headline from the eaa new grounds access rules established ahead of eaa air venture oshkosh 2018 so anyways um so this is not exactly a follow-up but it's sort of a follow-up because we've talked yeah. about e- air venture in the past um another follow-up i so now i need to be updated here i'm because i'm a little bit confused What's the status of the FAA budget reauthorization? Um, pending. It been, pending. And what is it pending? Has it been approved by both branches? No. No. Ah, uh, see, that's where I was misinformed. Uh, whoever it was I was talking to about this, I apologize because uh, I thought mm-hmm. it had been passed by both by both branches. The um, House, the House passed its
2: version. Yeah. And you know that was after one last gasp end run attempt by uh congressman schuster to uh move air traffic service toward private control right uh so that got out of the house the senate version is pending it's expected to pass okay uh, hopefully before they go away for the memorial day break which is right around the corner uh, and and once that happens, then the two versions, which have some differences, mm-hmm. will we'll go to conference. Where and this is just me crystal balling, where I fully expect Congressman Schuster to make one last attempt to slide that kind of language in in the conference report, uh, which will get it shot down when it goes back to the Senate. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so maybe he's wised up. I don't. I don't know. I don't expect that. Right. Anyway. Senate's got to finish its work, goes to conference, they iron out both sides, both chambers say, yep, we're good with the conference report, they pass it, then it goes to, what's his name? Yeah, the president.
0: Um, Are the differences significant, or are they just kind of routine kinds of differences that we see between the two branches? I don't think there's any hugely significant differences, maybe in some money allocations,
2: Uh but... uh, you know, the, the the House and the Senate have both been uh, nibbling around ways to try to bolster the creation of uh, new workers, uh, maintenance workers in particular for the uh, aviation business community. Uh, so, you know, both of them have a, this kind of program in there, and they differ on how much money they want to put into it or how long the pilot program is going to last. That has to be resolved. Mm-hmm. You know, they can both be after the same thing, but one of them – described it this way the other one described it another way they got to get a common description for it and then they're off to the races so okay uh it, it it is kind of heartening to see that we might actually get a five-year authorization out of these uh <clears throat> members right uh <laughs> this time around and uh not have to dink around with, uh, you know, years more of short budgets and continuing resolutions and budgets that fail to take into account things that Congress has ordered them to do and and then don't provide the money for. It's – it'd be nice to have it sane and stable
1: and predictable for a few years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you have anything to add to that or –
1: No. No. No, um, yeah, it's, it's House passed. Uh, I'm not aware of a, uh, Senate counterpart, but I'm sure there is one. I just don't, I just don't know what it is or what's in it. Um,
2: um yeah, there is. I wrote about it in a column yeah, about a month yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm sure uh, there is.
1: Um, <laughs> keep in mind that the staffs on both sides, um, of the Hill, um, know each other, they work together and, um, um, what comes over from the house is not a surprise to the Senate side, and vice versa. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just a matter of of uh, um, time. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Are they even in session right now? I guess they are. Um, just a matter of time before the Senate slides something through and, and they right. go to conference on it. Okay. Uh, but Dave's right. I at this stage, I wouldn't trust. Schuster any further than I'd throw this airplane, yeah. my, my airplane, and you yeah. uh, will slide something in in conference, or try to slide something in in conference, and uh, there's always some little thing that, that the Senate and the House sides get hung up on, um, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's, uh, uh, it, it, most of the time, I should say, it has nothing whatsoever to do with general aviation, but um, uh, there's always something, and we'll, we'll see what the, what the spring and summer bring.
2: Well, and according to a report dated two days ago, uh, the Senate bill has been read the second time, placed on a legislative calendar under general orders, and is awaiting further action. It's passed the House. It's pending in in the Senate. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. I'm, I stand corrected, and my apologies to whoever it was I was talking to, but because uh, um, I, I thought it was done. I mean, I didn't know if it had been signed, but I thought it had been passed by both, and that was just plain mistake. So, okay. Sounds good. Well, you, you'll, you'll be able to tell when,
2: when the ultimate progress has been achieved by the flood of press releases that you'll get from – all the alphabet groups congratulating Congress for for, for for finally doing their job.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, there's that, right? But you know, okay, I'll take what I can get at this stage of the game. Um, what else here? Uh, uh, so, okay, new subject. Um, so every every time an airplane crashes, it's disturbing, and I don't mean to minimize others, but this one is is disturbing. Um, C-130. Um, yeah, yeah. So an Air National Guard. See, this I, and I'm reading from a story that's about eight days old a week old um so i don't know what's new and you guys can help educate me um but a uh air in somewhere near jacksonville florida um an air national guard c-130 was on i believe on climb out when something went wrong uh and it crashed to the ground um landing on a highway um and disintegrating apparently from the pictures um and uh And wow, I mean, just wow. Uh, Uh, There's,
1: uh, there's uh, this. First of all, this was uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Okay, uh, right after, right after takeoff. It's a Puerto Rican WC-130. I forget the uh, suffix. Um, The WC-130. The W signifies weather reconnaissance, like maybe a hurricane hunter aircraft or something like that. This was operated again by the Puerto Rican Air National Guard. It was on its way to Davis-Monthan Air Force Base to be be retired. Yeah, and uh, there is somewhere there is video um, of the crash itself, and the airplane was I don't know uh, 750 feet high, um, and just kind of rolled over and dived in straight into the ground. Yeah, Uh, and you're like, what? really so yeah uh so i don't know what's going on here um c-130s don't just don't do this
0: right yeah you wouldn't think and uh you know speculation people are speculating that, uh, that you know you, one wonders about um, um structural failure i suppose um the one wonders about pilot something something ugly happened in the cockpit um the one that i find interesting um Although, given that it was going to uh, to retirement, you wouldn't imagine there was much inside of it, but there was some talk about cargo um, um, escaping its straps and moving around. Yeah, that, um, that's,
1: that's a possibility.
2: Um, um, it's been known to uh, cause crashes in yeah. oh, uh,
0: other situations. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wonder, you would think in this stage of the game, it would be a pretty empty aircraft, but I don't know. Maybe it was, yeah. I don't know what was going on. But The, the uh, video
1: I saw... <laughs> um, did not indicate that there was a a high angle of attack uh i don't remember that uh of the video but um the video could have started well after um um you know some other event Mm -hmm. so I, i you know i just i just don't know but it's it's uh uh when you see that thing go in like that it's just whoa yeah um yeah, so uh, there's been uh, at least at least in the media's mind, there have been uh, a number of military aviation accidents, U.S. military aviation accidents recently. There was mm-hmm. um, right, right there before sun and fun, uh, one of the Air Force Thunderbirds uh, and his wingman um, uh, hit the ground um, out of Nellis in the uh, I think the Red Flag uh, area. Um, There have been uh, a couple of other crashes of one type or another, uh, some with fatalities. And um, I don't know if it was Air Force or if it was all military aviation. It was going to take a stand-down day, to take a safety stand-down day. Uh, I don't know if that's occurred or not.
0: I I don't know either. Obviously, obviously the Thunderbirds stood down because... Yeah, the
1: Thunderbirds canceled their appearance at Sunify because... um, Whatever. I mean, yeah, obvious but. obvious reasons, I should say. Well,
2: I tried yeah. to find a video that, where the uh, source for one of the local stations says said the uh, the uh, airplane is in a developing spin at the point of in- impact. I'd like uh-huh. to see that. Uh-huh.
1: Jim, it, is that it, the video you saw? That's basically it. Yeah, it, it rolled off on the left wing and uh, had done a 180 in the descent before I lost sight of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I recall. I mean, you know, let yeah. me see what I can, I can find here as far as uh, video on this. What they
2: would be hauling from uh, uh, Puerto Rico or uh, Florida to Davis Monthan in an airplane that's being retired? It just kind of baffles me. Yeah, I would I, expect
0: I, that airplane to be empty. Right, and I don't think anyone proposed that as a real, you know, that, that's not a report of, of you know, any kind of cause. That people are just speculating what are the kinds of things that might cause yeah, this kind I of a behavior. It. You found oh, it? Okay.
2: We had a Bombardier, I believe it was a CRJ uh, 700, was in experimental flight tests to raise the gross weight of the airplane. And it was flying with a load of lead ingots in the back. And all strapped down, and apparently not strapped sufficiently, because they broke loose, and the ingots shifted to the back, and the airplane became uncontrollable and flat entered a flat spin that terminated with the airplane impacting the ground and uh that that was attributed almost completely to the load shifting in the airplane and making it uncontrollable. Uh, We sent a reporter, this was when I was still at the Eagle, we sent a reporter uh, who was already out in that part of the state to go by the scene of the uh, crash, and the first thing that she came across was a, uh, I believe it was a Kansas Highway Patrol uh, officer collecting what turned out to be the spin, anti-spin parachute. Mm -hmm. And uh, a reporter called in and said, well, they found a parachute, but they can't find anybody attached to it (laughs) (laughs) and uh i asked her "Said, do all the parachute lines come to one point or do they come to two points and she asked the officer and he said oh it all came to one one anchor point i said that's the anti-spin parachute and if it came loose you know there's no hope for them getting that back uh then when she finally got to the actual impact point of the aircraft, she goes, there's silver bars everywhere. Silver huh? bars? Yeah. Silver bars. Lead ingots. That's what uh-huh. they load on these airplanes to, oh. to, to test them at different CG settings and different uh, takeoff which, weights. Which accident
1: are you talking about?
2: I believe it was a CRJ-700 uh, uh, chest bed. Uh, oh like yeah, yeah, Bombardier. yeah. This is this is like more than twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it was
2: yeah. it was apparent really quickly that the the spin parachute had for whatever reason separated from its anchor point and the tail of the airplane. And as the accident investigated why that happened, we didn't know for a while. But the accident investigation uncovered the fact that the uh, switch in the cockpit. To activate the parachute had been wired in correctly, so when you flipped it to deploy the parachute, it also blew the bolts holding it to the oh, airplane, man. so oh. it deployed the parachute and blew the bolts, and the airplane came down without it and then they got this scene. there was no post crash fire to speak of uh they lucked out on that uh it killed all three. Yeah, people sure. on board, but sure. The fuselage split open, and there's all these silver bars, and you
0: know. Yeah. Like, uh,
1: did did y'all get the link I sent you? Sorry, uh, I got it. Did you get the link I sent you?
0: Yeah, this is the video of the. Uh, yeah, it goes right?
1: to a to a uh, Twitter uh, a tweet, oh. and and there's cool. a link. So what I would do is is make it full screen and then click play.
2: Okay. Oh my. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh, that, that yeah. That didn't really didn't really give me thoughts of it spinning, but
0: definitely out of control. Yeah. yeah. So, um I'm sorry David, just to get back to the uh the uh t- flight test uh, fatality you were just describing. Um so those that sort of parachute is not intended as a ballistic recovery thing, that's merely to help them get the aircraft back under control. And Yeah, it's,
2: it's designed to get the airplane out of a, a, an unrecoverable spin. Right. It kind of acts like a sea anchor on a boat. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, all right. It's not, not a whole airframe parachute like on a Cirrus. Yeah, uh, it's usually anchored to a, a, a beefed up structure in the tail. It gets deployed, it pulls out and this arrests the spin, and now it's in a nose down angle. And then they blow the bolts to separate the parachute from it, and then
0: they can recover then. Yeah, theoretically, right? Okay, well. All right, now that we've completely bummed me out, um, let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to talking about the FAA. Oh, that's just not going to solve the problem, is it?
1: Um, <laughs> You're just having a bad day, Jeff.
0: It's, I mean, this is going to be one of those. Yeah, um, the FAA. Uh, I've skipped ahead one for those of you keeping track. Uh, FAA withholds weather information from pilots. Um, Access Denied, AOPA's website here, AOPA.org headline, I was just quoting. Um, It strikes me as being a little bit alarmist. This does seem like a bad thing, but um, I... So, one of you want to tell me what's going on here?
1: I'm sorry, I was distracted. What, What topic are we on?
0: I think we're on, we skipped one. We're on the one that's titled, where did the list go? It's over here. I think I put it on the list. Yeah, it's titled, You Gotta Be Kidding. That's oh, the okay. One. The weather, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, uh, the FAA. Th- so, there's a whole bunch of weather information that, as I'm understanding it, has been available to pilots, um, but may no longer be available to pilots because the FAA is has either increased the standard for these weather collection systems or has decided to. In- Enforce the existing standards. Have I got that right, or no, am I even... No. What, what's got, going on here?
1: There, there's there's basically a difference between approved and unapproved uh, uh, weather observation equipment. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of there, there's a variety of standards for <laughs> uh, automated weather observing equipment. Yes. Uh, there's ASOS. There's AWOS. There's AWOS two one three. There's three A. You know all this kind of stuff. Right. And um, some of these, you know, the, the, the approvals on these devices often comes down to who made the sensor and is the sensor itself approved. And you can mix and match um, various sensors um, to come up with a, uh, a system. Uh, an ASOS, for example, is really not that much more than uh, a higher quality AWOS 3.0. So putting all that aside for a moment, there's a lot of uh, of unapproved, because the the airport authority couldn't afford the approved version, but they could afford the unapproved version, a lot of unapproved uh, automated weather observing equipment out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's not approved, because it doesn't meet X, Y, or Z standard, uh, the FAA has heretofore not included um, that device's output in um um, weather well, message no, the, switching it, center replacement. Thank you. They, they right. don't, issue, they don't okay. issue METARS based on that equipment. So the, they haven't the they line. haven't
0: they haven't distributed this information in the past. That's and, my understanding. Yeah. yeah, and they're still not going to in the future.
1: That's, that's basically what AOPA is exercised about. Um, there are, you know, I have no idea um, how many of these, these uh, uh, facilities exist out there. I know the, the AWOS at an airport I fly into in Georgia often, um, the AWOS was there. You could hear it on the, airport, on the airplane radio when you were within range. You could dial into it with a telephone. You could not obtain a METAR at mm-hmm. that airport because it was an unapproved facility. I see. Okay.
0: All right. And now, I can sort the, of— that, s- that,
1: that particular airport has since brought it up to code, if you will, and it's an approved device, and, and that airport now has METARs.
0: Right i can sort of see both sides to this issue to be honest with you um you know on one hand having a lot of distributed weather or weather observation collecting sites is a a good thing but there there ought to be some way of judging whether or not they're accurate or that's why
1: they have those standards and approved and non-approved sensors so it's it's you know in one way it's, it's it's kind of esoteric um where are you going to draw the line I guess you're going you going to let anybody with Uncle Jeb's uh uh backyard AWOS uh plug into the to the system and, and uh, supposedly issue certified uh, weather observations I don't know yeah well that's clearly, kind of what the AOP uh, that's kind of what FAA is saying and right. I totally get how um AOPA and, and it says 13 other aviation and state organizations uh, arguing for this information, um, what the, what would be the way to do this would just put some coding in the remarks section saying this is an unapproved observation. Yeah. End of discussion. And mm-hmm. un-
0: unapproved doesn't mean that it's not accurate. That's, that's right. That's the rub here. Yeah, yeah, I know. The problem is that that people won't be that discriminating, and they will, they'll they'll sort of not pay attention to the unapproved warning and just kind of take it as accurate. And you know, well, let,
2: let, let's be honest here. I'm I'm imagining every one of us knows a pilot who considers. Fifteen minutes in front of the Weather Channel is a valid weather briefing.
1: Well, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, it gets better. I mean, looking outside the car window as you drive to the airport—that's that's that's the uh, pre-flight briefing right there, in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. Well, that's and that's probably not a good idea. (laughs) No, of course not. I, 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 you know, I don't know. But it's—I agree
2: with the idea. Put it, put an asterisk on it, and say, you know, this is. This this reporting system does not meet Contemporary standards So use it with caution But put the information out there It's yeah. better than a black hole On, yeah. mm.
1: And you know This Mike. is On a one level this is kind of uh, um, uh, Interesting on several levels Put it that way um, Back when AWOS's and a sauces First came on the scene Um a lot of them happened to be co-located at a facility at an airport with a human observer observer mm-hmm. and uh, if not certainly uh the human observer was me um where the awos would say x and you could clearly see that the weather was actually y the the and these were approved facilities uh, already early on the technology um wasn't as good as it is today is the punchline yeah and uh, a lot of these, these approved METARs and, and uh, uh, terminal observations back in the day before we, we were blessed with METARs and TAFs, um, they were inaccurate on their face, but they were still approved. And this was just part of the testing phase and getting everybody acclimated to all this. Nowadays, these, these devices are much more accurate. They're still wrong on occasion, um, but things have improved greatly. Well, it's
2: key here. This didn't jump out at me at first until I reread this whole bloody thing uh, a a few days ago. And the big rub for these organizations that object to this is the uh, viability of that unapproved information for VFR pilots. Yeah. You know, they want this for VFR pilots. And, uh, you know, a temperature is a temperature. Okay, if it's off a degree, it's off a degree. Uh, Humidity, uh, wind direction and velocity. This is not brain surgery information. But it can mean a lot to a VFR pilot who's trying to decide whether to go to the airport. Cloud ceilings, uh, cloud uh, cloud coverage. Uh, well, that's, that you know, stuff's
1: I, been around for thirty years. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to, 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 I don't want to be on the FAA side here. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but take take that same scenario, Dave, and give it um, give it a visibility sensor that says six plus miles, when the reality is it's down below VFR minimums, down in you know two miles, let's say. And the reason that is is because the sensor is is not sensing correctly um, because it's an unapproved sensor. Where do you draw that line? Yeah,
0: exactly. And and, and not simply where to draw the line, but how do you know? How do you cross check this? All right. Yeah. So I'm planning a flight to an area that I have never or seldom been to. I'm going to land at an airport that I'm really not familiar with, um, and I check the weather from that airport, and and it's got a weather report with an asterisk, and. And so now I have to decide. You know, I mean, a local area, by airports near where I live that I fly into, I can have a sense of how how much I can trust the asterisk. All right. Um, but if I'm flying someplace that I've never been before, how do I make a judgment about the asterisk, all right? And, and my fear is that most people won't make a judgment about the asterisk, all right? They'll just rely on the fact that most of the time these things, just like David said, it's not rocket science. Most of the time this information is going to be accurate. But when mm-hmm. it's wrong, it could be dangerously wrong, right?
1: Most of the time, the Awas the, the, the certified equipment we have right now is, is, is correct. But sometimes it, too, is wrong. yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But and if you call in and getting a briefing and the information doesn't match what you see at the airport, that should be a clue.
0: Yeah, I mean, It would be, you know, I mean, see. it's too bad we don't have a device that would um, maybe cross check, would cross check this kind of information with airports in the area, you know, we so if,
1: it's called a human brain.
0: Yeah. So that's and maybe that's what I'm getting at here is that if you're going to fly to someplace, if you're going to be looking at this kind of information from an uh, airport that you're unfamiliar with, maybe you look at the. The ones surrounding it as well To make sure that they're showing Roughly the same temperature Or roughly the same visibility You know And uh, the cross check Is what I was wondering And as I think about this out loud I'm kind of coming up with a plan for myself And that's what I wanted Well
2: even that can be Perilous Uh, Here in Wichita If you drive from mid-continent I'm sorry Eisenhower International (laughs) West along uh, US 54 That's Kellogg Toward Augusta Airport, about 17 miles to the east, you're going to meet some rising terrain, and then the train's going to come down into a so- totally separate river valley than the one that's near the air carrier airport. And the differences in weather between those two can be substantial, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, hour by hour. So yep. when I was looking for a comparison of, to what Augusta was reporting, I always went to Jabara and Newton because they're on the same side of the terrain as as Augusta as opposed to taking the Wichita main airport readings because it's in a different set of terrain with different micrometeorology mm-hmm. altogether and that's local information that's not even included in. You know, you call flight service, you get a briefing for Augusta, Kansas, and they say, and Wichita is reporting. Uh, that's no good to me because Wichita is always way different than what Augusta is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's yeah. something that you learn by local uh, exposure. Right. But, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: The, the flip side of which is if you're going into an, any area like Wichita or, or my, my example was going to be Washington, D.C. area, uh, where you've got a number of airports with reporting capabilities, and you've got a number of resources there to, to look at and compare, um, without that micrometeorological <laughs> knowledge, uh, yeah, you could, could be wandering into something you're not prepared for. But even yeah. if you even if you don't have that local knowledge, comparing the data from those various airports, uh, they, they all can't be wrong, and they all can't be uh, completely different. As far as, as far as local weather conditions are concerned. So that that's still going to be a resource for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well, I, yeah. But they, but it's all kind of academic because they're not going to publish this information with an asterisk as of right now, right? I didn't read the article completely. It sounds um, like they're not, but AOPA's banging their shoe the, I'm on the table, sure that, so you never know.
1: I'm not sure the VFR-only pilot... Um, Argument is really all that good. Mm-hmm. Well, weather is weather, and and uh, um, one way to keep a, a VFR only pilot from turning into an instrument pilot is to give him or is to not give him accurate information. Right, I, I don't know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, I I think we I I don't think you said it right, but we get yeah, what you meant. Yeah, yeah you, I you think we get give him what accurate you meant. Information, yeah, and, right. So and, and, yeah. Anyways, it's gotta, okay. It,
1: yeah.
0: Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as $10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Um, we are kind of reached, beginning to reach the end of our allotted time here. There's a couple more things on the list here. There's an off field landing of the week with this, uh, this, uh, uh look like an antique plane of some sort landing on a beach in, uh, Great Britain, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah, this was um, like a World War One. A, a little scary because there were people on the beach, but it looks like they did it right. And, uh, and so, you know, um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but congratulations to the pilot who, uh, landed safely and, uh. You know, beaches are right up there with uh, with highways in my mind for scary places to land if you have to. But if you have to, um, and uh, you know, so. But it's you know more and more. You know, I, I I'm old enough. You know, when I was a boy. When I was a boy, all right, people and used it was to say uphill to school both ways. I know, I know. Um, they they used to talk about, you know, it's like, well, if there are UFOs, why is no one ever caught one on camera, you know? Or uh, and actually, a more practical example of this was that the, there was an observation one time that no one has ever caught a airliner crash on a camera. All right, and, and that eventually changed, obviously, and, and now it's very very much changed. I mean, we saw the C one thirty because cameras are everywhere now. Um, seeing these. videos videos of the airplane landing successfully on the beach is kind of like it's almost becoming old news i mean that we see it um yeah, you know that that yeah. they do it successfully has never been old news that's cool and and and, and you know lauded laudatory laud, laudable laudable, laudable yeah. um and uh, so uh anyways the, the uh,
1: quality of the uh photography and videography hasn't really improved well. but at least there's a camera there
0: uh, yeah, but yeah, well, and sometimes it's pretty good. Sometimes it's pretty good. Um, there's another actually st- another item here that I'm kind of going to just kind of gloss over here or, or speed over, um, which is the last one. There, um, incredible aviation moments. Um, that that's an interesting one. And and I think as David pointed out, it, it's it's the very fr- there's about mm, I don't know what David seven or eight incidents um, depicted in this video. Um, and and the first Whoa. one is maybe, <laughs> the first one. Yeah, there you go. That's oh, the good it. one. That's the good one. And so we've got a uh, what looks like a, an archer or, or a. It's uh, a Cherokee. It's yeah. a Cherokee of some sort, but it looked like a fixed gear Cherokee, which it's makes it It's a fixed it gear
1: Cherokee. It's got Hershey bar wings. Yeah. That's all I can so, uh,
0: so when we first see it, um, presumably this had been a developing thing, and someone whipped out their camera phone um, and uh, and and caught it when it was well. One might describe it as short final. The problem is that they were f- about forty five degrees off the runway. All right, um, and and sort of coming at the runway somewhat from the side, um, and it almost looks like there was a ditch or a hill over there because they got a little bit below almost the uh, the terrain. Um, and and touch down. It looks like uh, on the on the ground to the side of the runway. Hard boom, but stayed upright. And then sort of did this. I'll 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 generously characterize it as a rollout um, um, up onto the onto the uh, runway um, pavement, and then and then begins the taxi like nothing ever happened. I was just trying, and I was listening, and there there is some. So it almost sounds like ATC, like radio chatter. I can't quite figure out what it was, but I, I really wanted to hear the pilot go. You know, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, but. Uh, yeah that was any, interesting any, any landing you can roll away from uh, i guess huh i guess but uh yeah so there's yet, yet another uh, uh dramatic aviation moment caught um on camera that would never would have been seen Yeah, you know, how many times have these things happen? you know back before the day um when we didn't have cameras in our pockets but uh, so and no that is not a piper chest to show how sturdy the
2: cherokee is
0: <laughs> yeah i know um so uh yeah that's an interesting video uh a- a- another one that will Will be linked in the show notes uh, i i hope i expect um Ooh. which one was that jeb oh. you just, What
1: which one at uh 120 yeah describe it for us please oh man a uh an ultralight of some kind
0: oh yeah okay trying
1: trying to get airborne uh and and just plows right into a parked car right
0: oh my
1: yeah yeah oh, man yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: these appeared to be um my my take on them was that these were appeared to be takeoffs from a public road for whatever reason yeah. that went went really wrong i mean you know you know and, yeah, yeah, and i mean one, i
1: 115 yeah oh boom
0: yeah there you go so anyways not to make light f- of these because hopefully nobody got their hair yeah, terribly hopefully hurt, no one got
1: hurt. And, and, and then uh there's uh the one following that it, it, it's a. Uh, looks like a viper or something uh, old vampire. British, vampire vampire old british fighter tearing cool. up the runway literally I
0: know. literally you get the, the jet exhaust was like yeah. like <laughs> ripping up and blowing away sections of the pavement as it I, I did think it that, take off
2: i think that runway
0: had some uh some issues. issues to begin yeah. with yeah well it's definitely got issues now you know it's like you know he did the takeoff, and then probably they you know on the radio they said you know you know you're going to have to find someplace else to land because we no longer have a runway here. Um, anyways, okay, um, and then finally, uh, David, what's the story about? They're about to make history, um, and and the main reason I just don't skip over this is you said this might be an airplane that I want. Oh yeah, well this is that airplane, the Surefly, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, let me mute this so that we don't mute this yeah, and then play yeah, it I, yeah, would yeah. jack fly that I would fly this absolutely, I mean, once it's been demonstrated, I don't want to be the test pilot, but, but once it's been demonstrated, I wish it had a few more engines, but it's got eight and that's good um motors, motors, excuse me whatever yeah um so it's an electric uh, uh a multicopter human carrying multicopter I don't know if it's two seats or four seats um we saw a mock up I don't even think it was a prototype, we saw a mock up of this at oshkosh last summer and i commented on it and we talked about it a little bit um and according to this video they now have done they've they've hovered it off the ground they say has taken flight from these videos it looks like they've just kind of got it up off the ground in ground effect Mm -hmm. um But, yeah, this and the Volocopter, once they're proven, I would fly one of these for sure. I would would be much more comfortable flying one of these than a traditional rotorcraft, a traditional helicopter.
2: Uh, I love the stability assurance system.
0: What's that? The the outriggers. Well, yeah, that's a test flight thing, right? Yeah. You you notice uh,
1: how far those people are standing in the background? Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's a test flight man yeah, it's a test I flight get it. but uh I get it. well congratulations to the Surefly people i was admiring their work back when they were just showing off a a a a, um, a mock up and uh and and now they're flying it that's cool that's cool it's a heli- so it's a multi it's a human carrying looks like a two seat multi-copter, human carrying size with four booms coming off of the top where the rotors are on a traditional helicopter and each boom has two blades presumably two electric motors um one above and one below um and uh, the one we saw at oshkosh um what they were saying in the early stages of this program was they were not although it's electric ultimately electric powered um they were not going to try and put batteries in it they actually put an engine a a, probably a gasoline or some sort of you know engine Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, to, to believe it's kind of set up like a hybrid yeah that would that would generate power so right. that to you know and and i i'm fine with that because you know batteries are are a whole other kind of technology and and they just wanna kind of prove the the overall design of this well and
2: it and it takes less power right. to uh right, uh, right. Yeah, it's just a, a, a yeah. smarter, all-around
0: solution. Yeah, right. For yeah. something like this, and batteries are making leaps and bounds these days. So you know, batteries yeah, will get yeah. better, um, and yeah, quite I frankly, just... electric motors will get better. So here's, you want to talk about something that has nothing to do with aviation? Have you seen the commercial? There's a commercial for that. What's that vacuum cleaner company that made that high-tech vacuum cleaner a bunch of Dyson? years ago? D- Dyson, right? And so, and he did all this high-tech stuff with the swirl and the whatever, and made a super duper vacuum cleaner, which apparently is a very good vacuum cleaner. I've heard. From from people who who care more about vacuum cleaners than I, I do, I, I can I can testify to that. It's a good vacuum cleaner, this Dyson yes. thing, right? It, well, it's, now it's not cheap, but it yeah. And so apparently the latest greatest of these folks who are trying to apply high technology, innovative stuff to vacuum cleaners. um, I keep seeing this uh, this ad on I guess maybe on YouTube or something where the latest greatest from them is that they've you know, they want you to believe they've reinvented the electric motor. But they've certainly apparently if what they say is true, made a bunch of improvements to electric motor um, to make it smaller. Um, and or more powerful. I mean, certainly smaller. Um, you know, and and get better battery life point of this whole vacuum cleaner story is that batteries are getting better and motors are getting better and so um you know the whole uh, the whole the whole area of these multi-copter human carrying multi-copters is is uh, the thing and electric huh. aerop- electric fixed-wing aircraft as well yeah. for that matter yeah. you know our buddy rod Rakick, i had i had drinks with rod um while i was in chicago and uh, he was off on an adventure to among other things um look at some electric airplanes out in california um and uh, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and our buddy Brad Marsari is big on this, too, Mm -hmm. with his work with uh, Pipistrel. But I think that's the brand that, that Rod was also looking at. California. Anyways, oh. so I'm really blowing away our, our the, the rest of our uh, our allotted time here. But uh, this is cool. And I would fly the SureFly um, once it's become a proven, you know, whatever level. Once type someone
1: of, else does it first.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not a test pilot. All right. I'm not going to do the test piloting part. All right. But but once this has been reasonably either certificated or whatever approval program it goes out under, I would definitely consider flying this airplane.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, once it's gone through whatever approval process is necessary you won't have the certificates to fly it
0: oh well there, there will certainly be some training that's right i'm gonna okay. have to you know okay. and uh, but it, then yeah, that's, it, that, yeah. that introduces a whole other question i admit but uh yes okay transition cool. training a checkout
2: uh.
1: what rotor what multi-engine multi multi-power plant multi-rotor yeah Rotorcraft.
0: <laughs> well that's an interesting question actually is anybody even yeah. looking into what that that question is I mean how how are you going to, you know how will, when these things become become publicly flyable publicly available um, what what will the pilot certification be like you, you know? know
1: there's there's a white paper somewhere out there on the internet that uber put together about uh-huh. its uh, um, basically it's airborne um, uh, I don't know what service they call it anymore, but basically uh, an air taxi. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it, I guess, um, either piloted or pilot less, uh, and uh, they they dive down fairly deep into what some mm. of the uh, technological uh, issues are. Um, they did not dive down very deep into the regulatory slash political issues. And um, um, I thought it was rather naive, but. Um,
0: yeah, well, maybe a different subject. They're but-
1: certainly optimistic that, that the FAA would, and other regulatory agencies would respond quickly and correctly uh, with respect to certifying these craft for commercial, i.e., carrying persons or property for hire uh, use. And I'm not so sure.
2: That raises but the bar significantly. It does. Yeah, putting humans on it definitely raises the bar. It you know? absolutely well, I mean, it does. Put, putting humans in it for hire.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, yep. that
0: that that's a step yeah. change. So you know, of that's interesting. I may I may dig into this a little bit because I'm curious about how that might work. But uh, anyways,
1: well, find that that Uber white paper. Uber I would like Fly to see that as well. Hell. It's called. Let me yeah. let me see if I can. Yeah. Well, and if you can find it for me, um,
2: the, Sh- the Surefly power system, I think, is 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 quite clever. I mean, it's basically using a gas engine to drive an alternator system to provide power to the motors, and it has right. a backup battery. So if the engine fails, you've got enough power in the battery to mm-hmm. land.
1: Yeah, U- Uber
0: Elevate. Uber Elevate. All right, I'll, I'll see if I can dig up that white paper. I'd be curious to read it. I'm I've not got a big a, Uber I fan. I've got a PDF of I, I can on. send
1: you, but yeah. I can't really do it right this second.
0: Well, yeah, either send it to me or I'll find it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big Uber fan. Just uh, I need to say that out loud for some strange reason. But yeah, that's, uh, that's another story for another. But time. that's another story. They're, this technology investigation is is interesting, and I'd like to see what they're doing. Anyways, um, shout outs. Shout-outs. shoutouts. I'm going to do a little podcast business here quickly. Um, I do, now see I'm com- getting confused because we talked about some things um, before we pressed record. And I don't think we talked about this since we pressed record. And I just kind of want to comment about this while you guys get your thoughts organized about shoutouts. Okay. okay. While um, you're
1: doing that, I'm going to come right back.
0: Okay. Um, podcast business. So uh, with the last episode of this podcast, UCAP 451, um, we've changed over to a different way of, uh, of talking to each other and recording the podcast. Yeah, we're um, using sign language now yeah right and uh, clearly uh, if they couldn't hear us it would be so much better but um, no we're using now uh, for years for 12 years tw- almost 12 years we have been using Skype and, and we sort of reached a breaking point with Skype um, about uh, a month ago and and went seriously looking for an alternative and what we've settled on at least for the time being is a, a, a voice over IP slash recording system that's optimized for podcasters called Cast C-A-S-T um, which has the unusual um URL if you're curious of looking at it of TriCast which is T-R-Y-C-A dot S-T there's no dot com or anything T-R-Y-C-A dot S-T so we're using TriCast we used it with the last episode um, and we had done some tests prior to that and the main reason I bring this up two reasons is first of all to thank the listeners who who reached out to us to comment that they liked the uh, quality people noticed the improved sound quality Um, and there are technical reasons for that that I won't belabor right now but uh, I it's, it's understandable that it sounds a little bit better, um, and that's a good thing. Um, and so thank you to the listeners who pointed that out and to explain to others who might have noticed the difference. Um, um, hopefully, it will continue to be that way. Um, we're recording this one that way as well, and we'll see if it continues to work. Um, Listeners did comment on a a slightly negative thing about the last episode, um, which was um, as part of the different workflow for using the output from this cast system, um, I, I left out a step. Uh, in the post-production process that I have actually done probably every episode for eleven and a half years, and and that is to run the uh, the uh, audio through a a, a, a sound um, piece of software that does uh, um, volume leveling um, to make us all sound more or less the same volume and and for a variety of reasons I chose to skip that step last time thinking that it would be okay and it wasn't awful but apparently it wasn't ideal um listeners have commented to me that they had to constantly be adjusting the volume and i guess i sort of understand in retrospect why that happened so i'm going to go back um and listening to this hopefully listening to this episode you will have not had that problem because i will have um restored that one step in the post-production and 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 that will have been what was causing the problem so hopefully the volume is better um uh, hopefully the sound quality is still better and uh, fingers crossed that uh, this new system cast continues to deliver for us because we 're so, so we're, what you 're saying is it 's all your fault yeah, I guess yeah, <laughs> the good parts and the bad parts i 'll take them both i 'll take them both anyways um, thanks to uh, to uh, I'm blanking on the podcaster who uh, turned us onto this uh, uh um I'll think of his name and get it to you later on but uh, thanks to to you you know who you are and I'll I'll say your name eventually it'll come back to me. Um shout outs what do you guys got you got anything
1: you want to talk about? I got the the Oshkosh Notum. Ooh. Yeah, it's out. It's uh-huh. there. There's there's a link in the show notes. Um you probably just surf the YA uh, uh website and find it yourself um but you can download it uh, print it you can download it read it you can ask them to send you a hard copy um get the note
0: cool is there anything have you looked at it yet have you gone through it is there anything different? not really. any, any
1: changes um, this year that are notable um, uh i haven't really looked at it. it it was announced while i was busy with some other stuff mm-hmm. and uh um just literally have not had a chance to open it up okay Okay. Probably won't do so until Fond du Lac. kidding. Yeah,
0: okay, I'm sorry. See, David, that was your job. You were supposed to be listening. I wasn't listening. I was, I'm still searching for this guy's name. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. I almost had it. Where'd it go? No, that wasn't it. Uh, David, uh, uh, shout-outs?
2: Yeah, to uh, Dr. Peggy and the and, and, and uh, staff at Women in Aviation International who uh, sent out a uh, database. We have the link in the show notes. The show where uh, uh, known graves of women Army service pilots from World War II. And with Memorial Day coming up, not long after you all hear this, I thought it would be nice for our listeners to take a swing through the database and if you see a grave of a wasp near you, do what w- w- we like to do on Memorial Day. And that's go put a flag or a flower on this veteran's grave in honor of her service to our country.
1: That's uh, a really good idea. Yeah, that's a really, really good idea.
0: Yep. I agree. I agree. John Conway is the uh, podcaster who uh, turned me on to, uh, ah, to there it cast. Is. And uh, <laughs> so... Anyways, um, and, and and I apologize. I, I don't mean to uh, to uh, distract from that. It's a very very good suggestion, David. The uh, um, remembering all of these veterans um, as because we're down to the last, at least the World War Two uh, veterans are are uh, yeah 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 just yeah. about are gone leaving now. Us. Yeah. yeah, we're just about gone now. It's a sad moment. I remember when I was a kid when the last of the World War One veterans uh, passed, um, and uh, and now uh, now we're doing that again. So, anyways, Memorial Day. Anything else? Other shout-outs?
2: Were you going to do the postal service thing?
0: Uh, no, one of you can do it. Yeah. You want do to it. do it? Do, do it. Postal service. What's notable about the post? It's the post office, man. It's no big deal. I'm being facetious. I'm setting you tell up Tell that here. to Amazon. Yeah, right. No, Yeah, I know. I'm setting you up, David. You, uh, you, you can tell them why the postal service is, is cool. Dave. I'm sorry. He faded out there. No, I was going to say you go ahead and tell us why the post office is a good deal. Oh
2: well, the hundredth anniversary of the United States airmail service, which employed some notable pilots in the past. One of them, a guy named Lindbergh, if memory serves. Uh, so send a real mail piece you know a stamp with a uh, with a letter attached to it and mm-hmm. and uh, think of the early pioneers of the uh, US airmail service s- several of whom died in the uh, attempt to get the mail there regardless of snow sleet gloom of night or IFR conditions right
0: yeah it, it's uh, 40 what is it now 49 cents for a first class letter i think that, it's still
2: 47
0: you, but that, that you can send a letter Yep, basically anywhere for fifty cents. You know, it's just like a crazy bargain. I mean, and and but but if you raised it to seventy cents, people would lose their minds. All right, they they they, you know, even at seventy cents, what a bargain. Um, So, anyways, the participants on this podcast are appearing as private individuals.
2: Their comments don't reflect the views of the various
0: organizations they work with. Also, anything. Anything, anything, absolutely, freaking lutely anything
2: you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously, obviously. very general in intention. You should remember your training, consider your situation, and fly the aircraft. But you knew that.
0: Any other shout outs? We done? Fork time?
1: Yeah. Done done with shout outs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Stick it uh, with the
0: fork. Thank you guys. Always blast uh, to talk with you and uh um you know. Um Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks, thank quick. you. Thank, <laughs> thank was, you for uh, um I couldn't uh,
0: even come up with a bad segue that time, yeah, all right. That's, so. Thank you, Jeb. It's always fun. Uh, Jeb uh, Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what you been working on? Anything you want to uh, tell us about?
1: Um, June issue of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine is in the can. Um, I work for um, AEA, uh, covering its uh, annual meeting last month, is in the can. Um, Kind of resting on my laurels, as it were, here for a week or so. I'm off to uh, Geneva for eBase. Uh, for uh, AIN and uh, come back and and knock out the July issue of safety. So, yeah, I've got got a busy couple of weeks coming up. Um, Other than that, um, working on airplanes, cars, and motorcycles.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Abbire magazine. David, what have you been working on? Well, this month I've got a piece in uh, Avionics News magazine uh,
2: bringing people uh, back up to speed on the uh, status of the 121.5 megahertz ELT situation and the options available and kind of a... uh, two by four reminder that <laughs> if you got a 121.5 and that's your elt there is not a lot of options for people to hear you if you crash because the world's moved on to 406 megahertz yep. elts yep. which will get you service much more quickly and much more accurately and the prices on them have come way down and their features have come up and more and more of them are equipped with their own GPS engine, so that at the first burst of data to the uh, Copas satellites, Cstar and Copas satellites, easy for me to say, uh, it will include the Latin long data that searchers need to get within a mile of you on the first pass.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Actually, okay. I think it's a closer tolerances than that, depending on the unit. But yeah 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 very uh, cool it, 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 these days it's i don't even know if you can't i mean, now you can't buy a, a nine or a one 121.5 only uh elt uh but the prices are, have gotten so good and the and the battery technology has gotten so good um that it you know if you're going in for an avionics update like <coughs> adsb <laughs> uh, or something like that it makes sense to hey you know while you're in there drop another 500 plus install on a on a modern ELT, you you likely won't regret it. Hmm. Cool, cool. Uh,
0: now I'm going to go backtrack and uh, and uh, I'm going to come back to Jeb in a second. But first, I want to say to David, where can people find about you on the internet?
2: Oh yeah, uh, I'm real Higdon on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can find me uh, via. Uh, avbuyer.com or uh, aea.net and the work that I do for uh, Avbuyer magazine and their website, uh, my weekly uh, business aviation blog topic Uh, and the avionics stuff of course in the uh, Aircraft Electronics Association's uh, house magazine or just google me and there's a new Dave Higdon out here in publishing that I stumbled on a few months ago. Oh, come on. This guy's a motorcycle writer. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and motorcycle. I think it's. I think it's the uh, motorcycling online website where they uh, have periodic reports from their roving reporter Dave Higden off on some exotic part of the world writing... Riding uh, uh, some fancy motorcycle or some old motorcycle, having a good time. I envy the job, uh, but I would rather do the aviation than the scooters. Uh, right. Personally. Well,
0: I was going to say, are you sure it's not you and you've just forgotten? I mean, you are into a lot
2: of things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm,
0: I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure because we're
2: riding. This guy do does. I'd have some blisters where you don't normally find them.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds good. And uh, Jeb, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you where you can find you on the Internet. Where, uh, where are you up to? Uh,
1: Aviationsafetymagazine.com, um, uh, AEA.net for the uh, Aircraft Electronics Association coverage and, and uh, avionics news, um, AIN Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, webs yep. you know every now and then general yep. aviation news every now and then uh, who knows where i'll turn up
0: next and and you are becoming more present on twitter as well
1: lately which yes, I, I personally approve of the, yeah uh, is the the handle on the twitter machine very very very
0: good cool And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, So I've been working on... uh, I've been doing a lot more video. I'm I'm continuing to kind of trickle out um, uh, videos on my YouTube channel from uh, Sun and Fun, things I shot at Sun and Fun. Um, I just finished for... um, well, I'll, I'll tell you how it's being distributed. Um, I, we, when we did the dailies, when Dave and I were doing the UCAP dailies at Sun and Fun, uh, on two of them, um, I actually set up a couple of cameras just to kind of give, uh, to shoot some video of kind of what it looked like, how we, we actually recorded these things. Um, the first of those... Was an episode we did with Amy Laboda, um early on, and uh, and then the second one was the. Uh, it's becoming an annual tradition with Dave and I. Is at least one evening during the week we commandeer a golf cart and go sit at the edge of uh, the ultralight field um, and uh, uh, Paradise City and uh, and watch the uh, the ultralights and light sport aircraft fly and record a daily and also run a video camera. So I, I did that as well. So there were two sort of what I call look. Or behind-the-scenes episodes for dailies that also have a video component. Um, They are both initially going to be available only exclusively to our Patreon supporters. Um, And so, the one with Amy um, was published back during Sun and Fun, and the uh, the sort of one-month blackout period is about to end. So um, on Friday, which would be about the same day that you first have an opportunity to hear this podcast. Um, on my youtube channel the uh the behind the scenes look at um, ucap daily uh, I think it was four four nine alpha i believe um, will be available to the public if you want to look at it on my youtube channel uh, and then i'm I have just finished another one the one we did for uh four four nine I believe it was Bravo. That's the one we were sitting on the golf cart by the uh, by the ultralight field, um, and that one uh, just went exclusively to the Patreon subscribers the other day. So in about three or four weeks, that will go on the YouTube channel as well. Um, I've also been shooting some stuff about other things. I was just in uh, Chicago and did a little vlog kind of thing. If you know anything about vlogs, um, where a bunch of us went off to a uh, to watch a uh, soccer match uh, while we were in Chicago. One of our one of our crew members is a huge soccer fan and he said, oh, you gotta go, and we did, and it was fun and I uh, shot some video of that. That's on my YouTube channel, uh, or at least it will be later today I believe. So I'm doing these videos and that's kind of fun, and I've got a few more things that I shot at uh, at uh, Sun and Fun including um, a look at the, uh, the full-blown episode, of 450, that we did from the deck. Um, there'll be some sort of video component to that too. These are all on my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash user slash Jack Hodgson uh, You can also find me at uh, at uh, uh, Twitter, where I am also a user called Jack Hodgson, all one word. Uh, on, uh, um, I, in, and I've been posting more and more updates to my email uh, subscriber list, my email newsletter about the things that I'm working on. And that is, you can you can subscribe to that newsletter uh, by going to jackhodgson.com. Um, and uh, I think that's everything. Uh, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Yeah, if you want to be a geriatric
2: like Jack. Go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your
0: lifespan. Bye-bye. You said that that was because of the World War One veterans crack,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, okay.
0: All right. Oh, uh, and that's enough talking. Let's go
1: flying. <laughs> yes, whatever you just said.